Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. With me today, Timothy Hess, or Tim Hess, he said I can call him either one. And I want to welcome you and thank you for joining me today. It's been a, a little while since I've had a male dancer on here. We have to make sure we give equal. Even though there's way more girls in the shows, we got to make sure we have the male dancer perspective. And before I even let you say anything, as soon as you came on, I saw the tiny top of the shirt that you're wearing because I have the other version. I have the blue belt and you have, nobody can see it, but you have what on you? The Kelly Boy dancer image from the reunion in Paris, which was actually a photograph of me. I love that because I have pictures of like just walking into Lido. I had never danced on that stage. So the way they had it set up, those are the first things we saw were those giant lit up uh, characters, the Lido or the Lido boys and the Kel- uh, Bluebell girls. And so many of us took our picture in front of it. And so many people have pictures of you that may not even know that was you on there. Well, I didn't know it was going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. There's Can't a 10 like version hours, of you. Like, what? Really? <laughs> That's so right. cool. Yeah, and you, see, I have the. I, said I have a couple. I have a long sleeve, a short sleeve. You've got the shirt, the, the uh, short sleeve, the socks. The, nice, it's a nice. Fit. It's a nice style. Yeah, I wear mine proudly. After that reunion, I, I will, I will wear that proudly and say, "I ask me, I'll tell you all about it." <laughs> yeah, dare me, I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> you want to hear my life story? <laughs> so we we talked briefly before recording, <laughs> and I'm always fascinated why people start dancing or how they end up you know, if it's Lido or if it's Vegas and, and yours was probably, it was so fun and amusing to me because I told you, we've had people that said they, they started ballet because they had polio and their legs were, or they were bow legged or knock kneed or something that was, that was not forming correctly in their legs. And they were told to take ballet class, but will you share like why you even ended up and when you started dancing? Okay. Um, yeah, I was playing football and basketball in grade school and in eighth grade, um, I was supposed to be in freshman year in high school on the football team and the basketball team. Uh, being a freshman, which was really a good thing. And uh, they found out my brother had curvature of the spine and he had to wear a brace back then. I don't know if they do that now. And they thought maybe they check, should check me out because it can be hereditary. And they checked me out and I had a slight case of it. And so my doctor said, no more contact sports like football and basketball. I was like, what? <laughs> Um, so I went into freshman year as a water boy mm-hmm. where I wanted to be on the field playing. And I was so, I don't know, not disgraced, but I was upset and I needed something yeah. to do, you know, I had all this energy. And I went to my doctor probably a year to see my freshman year in high school for a checkup. And I said, I need to do something. What, what's the best thing for my back? Cause I have all this energy. And he said, classical ballet classes. I was like, what? <laughs> So I wasn't trained with any kind of um, classical music um, or dance or my parents went out dancing, but, you know, it's just back in those days, it was just, you know, once or twice a year, they'd go out dancing, like special balls, special parties. Um, And my cousin actually started teaching me how to dance by standing on her feet, you know? Yeah. I was like a little kid and she'd Uh stand her feet and she would, you know, know, do the steps. it was just I was playing. It was just fun. So um, I started 
I didn't do anything about started getting into plays in, in music. Sorry. <laughs> in uh, in high school. Um, my brother's girlfriend actually was a dancer kid, trained classical ballet since she was like, you know, three, four years old. So, so she was a very classical ballet dancer, um, you know, in high school, teenager. And she said, Tim, you should start, you know, try out for this, try out for that. So I tried out for the musical. I think it was my sophomore year in high school. Might have been my freshman year. I don't know. But I auditioned and I got a dancing part with no dance training. Um, and I was her dance partner and it was in... Um, Finian's Rainbow, mm. and uh, yeah, and there's a story about that. That because she turned out to be my first dance partner and my last dance partner. <laughs> really? Yeah, um, I can go to that when after we can ask. Okay. Yeah, yeah, when we get into your pro professional. I'm yeah, really so. curious too if you were like football because I'm almost like that's an identity when you're figuring out in high school. I'm a foot. I'm a. I'm a athlete. So was that hard or was it? you just transition like, okay, this, I'm going to save my body. Or was that a hard thing to let go of if this is what you love doing or you just do because you're probably tall and the right build for football. I'm just curious football. how much was part of you. Yeah. I mean, I was still playing football on the side with my friends, you know, and basketball. It wasn't like, I, I really stopped doing that at all in college. Cause I do that even though I wasn't supposed to, but you know, but when you're in a contact, when you're playing football or basketball it, and you're, playing against someone it's you're really you know playing I mean, with friends it's you know touch football and no big deal um i think because I, I was strong i was always tall and strong and I, besides football and basketball i was i grew up playing golf and swimming um competitive swimmer in the the uh, the country club circuit <laughs> summer so i do swimming in the summer and golf and uh you know football bat so i was always active um yeah you know so and you know strong so it wasn't it was no because i loved learning and hearing the music learning about classical music learning how to place your body and and the challenge of what dance when you start taking yeah dance technically you know you're like how do i do this and you start getting better and better it's oh my god oh yeah oh i know what you're talking about now too you know okay that makes sense and you know so I, that really got into my head um and i think also it helped me because i was very quiet even though i was very active i was very low-key i'm still am <laughs> you know i'm more of a listener than a talker and um but yeah even you know i was young i would not talk much i would you know, be very quiet. But then I had this redheaded energy and temper. Mm. So I was either very low or <laughs> it's like football, you get to go smash and get that energy out. Yeah. So I bet that would be That's hard. Not... Like now what do I do? Like when you yeah. said I need this energy, what do I do with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um yeah, I just kind of moved in slowly. And I think I told you before that thinking about it now, it's like, oh, I guess I had that something in my in my head, my heart. So I would come home from school and watch the four o'clock movie, which was usually musicals, with Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, you know, Ginger Rogers. Uh, and I loved watching those musicals. The Busby Berkeley numbers, I was just enthralled by that. Because I didn't have that growing up. I wasn't yeah. taken to the theater, you know, but seeing it on TV, I was like, wow, that's really cool. You know, and all the costumes and the movement. And, yeah. Oh, it's luring you in. Yeah. I'm just thinking also high school can be uh, harsh sometimes. When you leave football to go to dance, did people just go along with it or did you get crap for doing that? No, because when I was in school, um, 
I didn't start taking technique ballet class until my last year in high school. And I transferred from the Catholic school to the public school for junior and senior year for my last two years. And because I transferred and I had enough credits from the Catholic school, I got out of school early at one o'clock. So nobody oh. knew I was going to ballet class. Really? And I got a part-time job. And, and also that I took ballet like three times a week, private classes. And nobody knew, you know, I was taking ballet yeah. class. Until really, when I you know, I decided to go to university to be a dance major, and I went, really? I was like, yeah. Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, like really, where did that come from? Oh, I just think of so many young men that want to dance, and they're given so much crap by their family or their friends, or there's just there's a lot of people that have that desire and just either were ashamed or because some schools and friends could be like, yeah, cool, whatever you want to do is fine. But I just think that sometimes it's hard that that it help, holds people back from going from it just because of the perception in high school or if you're an athlete you're perceived only a certain way like that feels like a nice 180 but also yeah. we know professional football players take ballet to work on their balance and coordination and seeing a right. big tall guy doing that, i'm sure when you start getting in there and there's girls that are like yay because that's the most of the girls i talked to on these blue belt interviews that are too tall to ever be partnered because there was no guy strong or tall enough to partner them. So you must've been a dream. Well, yeah, but you know, <laughs> when, my father, when my father came to see the shows, he goes, how do you lift those girls up? They're so big. <laughs> 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 I said, well, we work together, dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a whole yeah. thing of weight distribution. Um, so when you went to start doing these musicals, did you have it in your mind that you wanted to be professional or was this? Just something that you just go along this path and how oh, here the heck I am in Paris. I had no, I had no mission, <laughs> I had no goal. I just, you know, I had it in my ingrained in my head that my father said you have to go to college. And um, I went a year and a half to the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, dance major. And then I transferred because it wasn't the department wasn't, I want to say good enough, but I needed more. I need more inclusion with more dancers and uh, different techniques and different teachers. And I checked it, uh, I researched it, not on the internet, we didn't have it back then. But I went to the library and looked up, you know, the best colleges for dance. And I found two or three, one that was where I was going and then University of Utah, Salt yeah. Lake City. And then there's a, I don't know if it still exists, but it's in San Diego. I think it's called the University of Performing Arts, San Diego. I don't know if it's still there. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's still there. But I decided to go to University of Utah. <clears throat> Salt Lake City, and I did. <laughs> and I, you know, again, I had no mission. But um, at that point, I was doing professional, being working professionally in the summer. Um, at that point, I was doing operetta carnival from Vienna, which is a professional gig in Milwaukee that we did four different op operettas um, in the summer. Where he started with one. Being rehearsing it the second one during the day, performing the second one. By the end of the summer, you're doing four operettas within in, in a week. You're like, which costume do I put on? You know, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> is this the oh. what are the white horse in? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so I was doing professional, you know, jobs before I went to college. And then when I was at college in the summer, I did came back from Milwaukee and danced operetta carnival from Vienna. Because it was performed by Skylight theater productions and they brought in the opera singers from Europe. Uh, the costumes, some of the costumes were made in Europe. Um, yeah, it was a beautiful experience. 
Wow. Oh my gosh. That's like everybody's story is so unique. I've not heard this part. And then will you tell about the fairs? Because I think that was before we record. I always get confused what we recorded of who you ended up performing with. And you, are you still in college when you were doing the cousins? I won't go on. I'll let you tell the no, name. No, I just did that one summer. Okay. So, Can you tell about that? Because I think that's fabulous. Of my last show? Okay, about my, the brothers okay, the and sisters. Co- yeah. The, the young cousins were a spinoff of the brothers and sisters. Song and Dance, Red, White, and Blue, you know, very all-American troupe. And um, <clears throat> the brothers and sisters got a gig to dance, to perform, uh, op- to open for Doc Severinsen and his orchestra. He loved them, so he hired them to tour on a permanent contract. So the producer of the brothers and sisters started another group called the Young Cousins, the same you know, identity, Red, White, and Blue, all-American. And um, I got hired to do that my first summer after high school with and I, that was right after I had my first year of private dance classes. I think I told wow. you I didn't have any dance training, but I had that that one year under my belt, with private dance ballet classes. And then we toured, you know, in a bus and went to different hotels, did um, industrials, did fairs, county fairs. And the last show, the last gig was, um, the lineup was a trained dog and monkey act. They opened the <laughs> and I think it was, Either the New York County Fair or New York State Fair or the Catskill County Fair. I'm not sure where I was, but the building was the uh, trained dog and monkey act opening. And then us, the young cousins, and then Bobby Goldsboro. I remember him. And uh, Dinah Russ was the (laughs) And she closed the show. Yeah. And that was like, oh my God, I performed in the same building as Diana Ross. <laughs> wow. And the fact that there's monkeys and dogs and cousins and just that lineup is just, I want to see the poster for that one. Um, That's amazing. Cause you just, when you went for it, it just, you really took off. But you, some of the stuff I heard before we recorded too, is like, you just had this hunger. And like you, even I got to go to college. I need more than what I'm getting. Like yeah. you, you went fast. Yeah. And then um, when I was at the third year in the spring of, whatever year that was, 73, I guess it would have been. <clears throat> um, one of my dance friends, he was a modern, he's more of a modern dancer, I was the ballet. And he said, Tim, there's an audition happening at the, the arena. I was like, what is it? He goes, I don't know, it's something with Disney. I went, oh, okay. He said, come with me, okay, come with me, let's audition. So we went, I'd never really auditioned for a, sh- a big professional show. Um, it just happened, you know, I never really had to audition. Um, in high school, yeah, for the you know, plays and those things he did, you know. But um, went into this huge audition. There were probably uh, at least 40 people, 50 dancers there, auditioning for Disney on Parade, which was in town and never heard of it. And it was a really hard audition. They did, you know, classical uh, ballet combination. And we're on the arena floor, you know, not in a little dance studio, we're on the big stage. To the size of, you know, like Holiday on Ice. Yeah. And uh, you know, I had to do classical ballet. We had to do a tap, little tap, you know, sequence, and also um, jazz. And went through all that. Then they called out the names, and I was one of the five that was chosen, and so was he. No, he. Exactly. No, 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 no. The story goes that at the end they said, "Well, can you? Can anyone do anything else that, or show us something else of your talents?" And my friend Rob Wallen. Um, he actually was on scholarship as a gymnast at Iowa State University before the University of Utah. 
So I said, oh yeah, yeah, I can do something. Said, well, I'm a gymnast. So he walks to the end of, end of the stage and does this beautiful ballet um, prep and also across the entire floor. And the entire, there, there wasn't an audience, but there were workers and you know people watching the audition. They just stood up and started applauding. Oh my God, my God that's fantastic. So then they called the names up. They chose five guys and five girls. Um, they asked him if he would cut his hair because he had really long hair back in the early 70s. And he said, no, I will not. He goes, oh. And so he did not get accepted. Really? Yeah. And oh. they, they took one of the five girls to start right away. They had one opening. Barbara Hanks, and uh, she started with the show right away. She was at, in the same department as me at the university. And uh, they said, the rest of you, you'll keep your names on file and we'll call you if we need you. I kind of forgot about it. I, I went back home in the fall. <clears throat> um, I got sick with hepati uh, hepatitis in the summer, so I wasn't doing much. I was trying to you know, get well from that. So I went back home to Wisconsin. And then I ended up not going back to Utah. And <clears throat> like, I think beginning of middle of December, I got a call from Disney. Are you available to start with Disney on Parade in Nassau, Long Island? I was like, yeah. Oh. yeah. So um, Christmas Eve, I flew out from Milwaukee to Nassau, Long Island, and started rehearsals for Disney on Parade. Ended up for a year with them. That whole year before, and then the show closed was the Mary Poppins unit, and the show closed, and uh, what happened? I well, yeah. Then I went back to. Am I go, Am I get, getting too too much of a story? No, now? no, no. It's interesting. It's really interesting. I'm also. I was also curious. Is that a bus and truck? A bus and truck tour? Are you going around the United States? Because I'm thinking of the parade. Uh, what I was thinking was a parade that's at Disneyland and Disney World. This was not that. This was its own show that you guys yeah. went around the, the yeah, it was, states. Um, yeah, there are quite a few of those shows. There is this called the Small World Show, Small World Unit, which is half. The structure of the shows is the, the first part of the show, the first act, are snippets of stories of Disney characters and, and whatever, movies. An intermission then the second act is the main theme of the second act would be like mary poppins or or snow okay. Waves, or uh those are the two shows i did so the and you're in the first act you were covered you're a character, character. Like, i was a tree i was big bear um i was broomstick from bed and broomsticks because uh, i was oh, tall so. i was getting yeah. get big costumes and they were usually step out roles so i got more money <laughs> Oh, eight, really? <laughs> so every, yeah, each step out roll you got, you got like I got thirty or forty dollars more a week. Um, yeah, and the the broomstick was just me and another broomstick, and Big Bear Jamboree. That's a oh, that's what that's from. Okay, love that. I was, I was Big Al, the black bear. Uh, yeah, solo with the guitar, and uh, well, there were two other bears for that. Um, so all those were like extra money. I was like, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> And then the second act, you're usually exposed. You know, okay. you were a character. You know, like I was a policeman in the opening of the second act. And then I was, of course, in, in Mary Poppins' uh, Chimney Sweep, you know. Oh, fun. Yeah. <clears throat> were you in, did you take a break from college or was this happening yeah. simultaneous or? Okay. No, no, I took, I went three years and then I started touring, traveling. Well, yes, yeah, so it was a, 
I don't know if it's called the bus and truck because we took planes too. Okay, yeah, there's a different name for that. But you guys were traveling the U.S. Or yeah, kind of- yeah, we did a city a week. In that year, we did a city a week, except for we did a couple cities in Canada and I think it was two months in Mexico. Wow. Mexico city, yeah. How'd we you were- like that? Did you like the traveling and like getting yeah. to see see the country? Yeah, you didn't see the money. It was hard to see the country. See, you know, see where you at. You really have to go out on your spare time. Yeah. Um, because again, you know, you're doing two shows, at least two shows. Sometimes we did one show, but sometimes we did three shows. So oh, it was wow. hard. You know, you're working. Yeah. You're not getting paid I have friends that have done tours. And they said you really, if any airport looks the same, every hotel looks the same, and you could be in Paris or yeah iowa and you don't know the difference sometimes because of how hard and i know other tours you get to get out and do and see more but to know you're somewhere like i can't even get out and explore it would be a little challenging yeah there's some of those cities where you're out and you know along the freeway somewhere and you're like where am i you know how do you get into town you know um wow yeah it was interesting then um i i went back to wisconsin and uh friend and i were probably drinking, having beers or whatever. And he had just graduated uh, with a degree in, from film school. And he said, what are we gonna do? What should we do? And he said, my brother lives in Santa Monica. And I said, well, I've got friends in, in Long Beach, but let's go to Los Angeles. <laughs> really? Yeah. So we, uh, we, I don't know if they have any more, but at that time they had these car, rent, you'd drive a car. They'd have these cars that people, they'd hire you. You'd pay a hundred dollar deposit. And you could have you could drive to drive the car from one point point A to point B, and you just pay for the gas and all that, and then you deliver a car and you're on. You got there somehow in an expensive way to travel. Yeah. And plus, you see the country, you know. Yeah. Of course, you normally have a timeline because the the agency says, okay, your car will be leaving at this date. It should be there by this date. We'll let you know if we you know, if there's any problems. So we did that, and um, I was trying to do the LA scene, and I got into a um, I think it's called Equity Waiver House, which was, you could be professional, you could be equity, it could be, you know, SAG or AGMA, 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 American Gold, that's what it was, AGMA. And, uh, but you'd get into these shows, this one show in, I think, Northridge, it's in the Valley somewhere, again, somewhere. <laughs> and you get into the shows and then you invite agents to come see you to possibly get more work. Um, but I got hired to be in Kiss Me Kate. Oh, and I was taking I was taking ballet every day um, at the um, LA. What was it called? LA Dance Center? No, I don't think so. I don't think it had a name. I think it's just Richard Adama taught ballet class in this building in the basement, and I was taking. He was a really good, really good teacher, and I was taking ballet class every. I was so strong. I was like the top of my technique, and. Uh, Disney calls me up to join another show. And it was to join the Snow White unit in Japan. Um, I was like, oh my word, do I go back to traveling with Disney? Do I stay in LA and try to make it? Do I travel, you know what? And so I asked Richard Adama, the, my teacher, and he said, well, I was just gonna invite you to be with the first Los Angeles Ballet Company. I was like, oh, you made it harder. <laughs> oh, more, well, such good choices. Yeah, and I was like, I chose the Disney because I knew people there, their friends that were, you know, I knew they're in the show and all that. So I chose. And uh, yeah, so I flew off to Fukuoka, Japan. 
Wow. Just to be young and just be able to go if you want to go. Yeah, living on a suitcase, you know? Yeah. And I had an apartment and my roommate, Ernie, he was a friend from Disney from the first Disney show. And uh, so we had an apartment in Long Beach, but, you know, just, and I got some furniture. I said, I don't care. I want to travel, you know? How long did you do that one for? It was about five months, I think, five or six months. We did, it was the end of, it wasn't the start of a show. The show had already, that originated in Australia, actually. That's where they rehearsed the show. It was produced half by Australian Channel 7 and uh, Naywall Productions in Los Angeles. And um, <clears throat> that's, I don't know, they went, they started the show, I think, Taiwan. They did a lot of cities in Japan. So they did like maybe four or five months before I joined it. And um, <clears throat> then we went to Manila, Philippines, Penang, Malaysia. Um, I'm going blank on the cities. But we did like five or six cities in eight, at that time it was called far, the Far East, now it's Asia. Yeah. And we ended up, there was a two month break before opening in Australia. And you could either take the two months and go wherever, or you could stay in Australia and get a living away allowance, which they would pay. Channel seven said, we'll send you money and to live away you know, for your food and all that. So my friend Roger Smith and I said, well, let's get, you know, get an apartment in Sydney and stay there for two months before it starts touring in Australia. Well, they weren't sending us the money. We were running out of money. <laughs> and our friend April, who ended up being a blue belt for many, many years, uh, she was doing a show, I forget the show she was doing, but she was doing a show and that closed abruptly in Sydney. It was a musical. I'm gonna say it's Maine, not Maine, Gypsy. I forget, one of the you know, musical show that she was performing and dancing in. And it closed abruptly and she came to live with us in the apartment. We had a nice apartment in Double Bay. And she came home one day, said, hey guys, there's an audition for Disney on parade. And we were like, or no, there was an audition for Bluebell, Miss Bluebell. And I went, who's Miss Bluebell? I don't know. And she was like, I don't know. I, she, well, she <laughs> knew about Miss Bluebell because of, um, because of Miss Bluebell being, you know, her history. <laughs> she knew yeah. So she kind of explained to us. So we were like, oh, okay. So we set up the audition. The audition, I, I'm sure other people have experienced this. I'm, sh I'm sure if they auditioned in Sydney for Mrs. Lee. I've heard that name a lot. Yeah. Trisha Lee's mother. Trisha yeah. Lee was the, I think the vedette, the principal at the MGM. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Vegas? Yeah. Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Vegas. Yeah. So um, they said, well, you have to you know, call this person, Mrs. Lee, set up an you know, interview for the audition. So we went and we went to her house. Roger and I going in, in Sydney, we took a bus. To, to, I think we had to take two buses to get to her house. She's out of the suburbs. <clears throat> and we go to her house. It's more like a, I think it wasn't a single family house. I think more like a condos or side-by-side -side brownstones, but it wasn't a big house. So we walk in, she was, you know, we talked a little bit and about her, about her training experience, where we're from. And she said, okay, well, um, let's do a little ballet combination. So let's move my dining room table off into the back <laughs> up against the wall so we can have room to do a little ballet combination. So she says, give us two little ballet combinations. So we each did our own little, you know, shots like put up right, you know, the basic, you know, and maybe double pirouette. 
on carpeting in her socks. In her in her dining room. <laughs> yeah, in her dining room, which was she was sitting in the living room. You know, it's like it wasn't like a separate room. Right. In the dining room and living room, open concept thing. So, well, uh, do you, can you tap dance? And, and Roger was a fantastic tap dance. He did that since he was like, I don't know, four years old. And so he went and he said, okay, go to the kitchen floor, put your shoes on, go to the kitchen floor. There's a little, <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> okay, you're good, Tim. Uh, I, I, my tap was okay, you know, I tap dance in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Roger. Like, is this really happening? Right. Really it's being scammed. <laughs> like, um, so we, you know, put the dining room table back, and we sit down. And she says, "Well, you guys are really great. You're tall, which Miss Bluebell loves." And um, let me call her right now in Paris to see if she has any openings or what she'd like me to do. And she got on the phone. We and we. This is back in '75, I guess. And just a call, Paris. You know, yeah. from Australia, oh. it was like, wow. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> she must be somebody. <laughs> but she gets, she gets Miss Bluebell on the phone and she's going, uh huh, uh huh. And she goes, okay, yeah. And she, they're really great. They're American. They're really nice boys. And she said, one second, Miss Bluebell. And she said, okay, she's got an opening in Paris and an opening in Barcelona. Where would you like to go? But there's only one position at each city. And Roger and oh. I turned to each other. He said, and Roger said, well, I've always wanted to go to Paris. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll go to Barcelona. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you guys didn't care that you're going to be split up. Well, for a while. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we fly off to Paris and I was there for, I think, a day and a half. And then I get on a train. I see the Lido show. And then I leave Roger and I get on the train from Paris to go to Barcelona. And... Um, there were two guys that were that I danced with with Disney on parade in the show, Michael Kilgore and Wesley. And um, <clears throat> I didn't know this until I got there. So I thought, oh my God, you know, people I know, you know, how great. And they put me into uh, one of the dancers, Paul had a small bedroom. Um, so I'd stay with him at the beginning. But then it gets more complicated. I started rehearsals the day, the day I, the next day I arrived. The next day, another day of rehearsals with Paul, who's teaching me. And also I wasn't feeling too good. I was doing like a contraction with my arms up and contracting and, and I was like, oh, that hurts my stomach. So we kind of stopped rehearsal and um, went home and had something to eat, went to sleep and got up the next day and my stomach was hurting like hell. And I said, Paul, I can't do any rehearsals. And, he, and I, so I laid in bed and he went to the nightclub and contacted our dance captain, Christina, or Tweet. Have you heard of Tweet? No. Oh, Christina. <laughs> um, her nickname was Tweet, but she doesn't like us calling her Tweet these days anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is okay. <clears throat> and uh, so she contacted uh, Tweet and somehow, I don't know how, because, oh, a, a, he called, they called a doctor that came to the apartment I didn't speak hardly, I spoke some Spanish and this doctor didn't speak any English. And he looked at me as a you know, home visit. And it was like, at, plus it was like at 10 o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night. <clears throat> and um, he said, he looked at me, he said, oh, appendicitis, appendicitis. Oh, oh. hospital, hospital. Oh, he goes, ahora, ahora, hospital. I was like, 
he's urgente, urgente. Um, now I'm fluent in Spanish, but and I, so I got a, a taxi. I put on my uh, overalls because that's the only thing that felt comfortable because I was big and baggy. I could yeah. buy and um, put on my overalls and for shoes. And for some reason, I think I carried a little bag of toiletries. I don't know, maybe just because it was hospital, I need some toiletries. And uh, the Scala, he walked on the street level, but then there's these steps going up, I think, three floors. There's an elevator, but you're told don't use the elevator, especially during the show, if you're just walking up and down, if you're in a costume or whatever, because they have to move props and you know animals and you know, things like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. And tigers. And uh, so I had to crawl up the staircase and I get there and and tweet, you know, says, oh my God, you don't look good. I said, I don't feel good. <laughs> the doctor said I have to go to the hospital. And so she takes her herself out of the show and gets the business manager, Carlos, drives us. She first takes us to the, I don't know this till after the fact, to this clinic. And um, the clinic wouldn't take me because it was actually the clinic where they would take the bullfighters <laughs> after when they oh. were when they were bullfighting got injured, they take them to this one specific clinic. He said, no, 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 this is only for bullfighters. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I said, I don't know that. But they, said, Let's go. they took me to the Blue uh, Red Cross Hospital. And uh, they examined me, they rushed me to the operating room with my overalls on. Oh, wow. And during the examination, I was in the, you know, in this curtain area with the doctors, a couple of doctors and a nurse. And Tweet was on the other side of the curtain and she was translating for me um, as they were like, you know, poking me and all that. And uh, <clears throat> so I went to the operating room and woke up in the, in my, in the, I think I woke up in my bed in the room. I don't know how, I don't remember how I got there, but I had woke up with my overalls on. You know, they didn't take me off and put a, a gown on me. I, they just put my, I don't know if they just pulled the overalls down. I think what they did, they just pulled them down. Oh my my gosh. Overalls, my overalls were stained with, um, what do you call it? The red stuff, the iodine? Oh yeah. Yeah, they had iodine stain on my overalls. So I was like, what, how did they do this? You know, what, they just like pulled them down <laughs> to my ankles and cut me off. Like, I don't know, didn't ask. I'm not sure how sanitary that would be, but. So here I'm on my third day in Barcelona, starting a new job. Can't work for five weeks. And I have $40 in my pocket going into the hospital. Gone. I was totally broke. Oh, that's my thing of travel. Like if something happens medically and you don't speak the language, just to be away from home and be that sick is awful, but then not speak the language, having no, I mean, that is seriously the thing that makes me worried. I love, love, love travel, but like, please don't let me get sick here. Please no. don't let this happen here because I don't know where I am. Right. Who's yeah. going to help me if I need something? Wow, what did you do? Well, you just, I, do you have roommates that took out to look out for you, or? Um, yeah, I ended up moving in with, uh, with roommates. Eric, you know, people don't know Eric and Clive, who's on a different show, not in Moscala. And there's someone else there, but um, yeah, I got a bedroom there. And what they did, they did a collection. All the backstage collection and they collected all this money and so I had at least some money and um I had I had my suitcase but I had shipped a trunk from Sydney Australia to Barcelona La Scala never got there and it had at least a warm coat in it 
and didn't have a warm coat. And this is in October, November, where it's getting chilly in Barcelona. Yeah. So I remember going, um, and the, the, the Magic Act, they were Americans. So I had um, Michael, Kilgore, Wesley, these two Americans, uh, man, husband, husband and wife, can't think of their names. They said, well, let's take you to the, the market though. There's this, um, not a store, what do you, like a, um, like, like kind of like a farmer's market, I guess. Mm. And where they knew I could get us something cheap, you know, a warm jacket. So I, I went there, got a leather jacket for really cheap, like, you know, $20 or something. You know, back then they were really cheap and nice leather. And uh, yeah, and I, I, you know, I had to watch the show. Oh, and they didn't want me to leave because the well, La Scala paid for the operation. So once I got started getting, <laughs> I got into the show, <laughs> they started paying me, they would take so much out every every paycheck. So I wasn't getting a full paycheck like everyone else was. I was like living on nothing, you know, to pay my rent, food. And I paid them back, I think $20,000 or something within a, a year. I don't know what it was. Oh you know, my gosh. It was a lot of money that I, you know, I was living off of nothing. And, but, you know, I was performing and I was in different foreign country and, yeah. I can't believe I, you were lifting lifting someone with an a, a appendicitis or maybe possibly ruptured or whatever that you were well, I did in rehearsal. It did rupture and you were like lifting. Oh my gosh. No, no, I wasn't dancing yet. Um okay. I it was I was moving apartments and I didn't get the understand I didn't understand about don't lift. I don't think Paul ever translated it to me. So I was lifting my suitcase to, to go from his apartment to the next apartment. And um, I looked down, I was like, that doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. It kind of hurts too. And I could feel like kind of an opening. It was like, and, and this, it was healed over. <clears throat> so Paul takes me to the doctor. He got, and I'm laying on the, the bed in this little room. And all of a sudden, I'm not looking. And, I, and the doctor goes, oh, oh no, oh. I'm like, just lay there, be quiet. Just everything's fine. I was like, well, why is he? He says, don't worry. And I was like, Oh, oh, and I, I stood up and I looked and he had cut the skin because it separated the, the underneath the, the healed skin. I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> I started to pass oh. oh, that's like, yeah, like when the doctor's saying, oh, it's like, there, that can't, there's not, that's not good. There's no way that's good. Right. So. Wow. Yeah. But you did get to perform in it. Did you feel oh, yeah, yeah. your body healed up and felt pretty yeah, strong I, I, again? Yeah, I got into the show, Aquila Scala, Aquila Scala, and then uh, they were starting a new show, Esta Noche Scala, and um, I think that was, I think the time one was probably in the spring, maybe six months after that, and uh, we started rehearsing, he brought Nick Navarro in to choreograph it, and yeah, it was, it was really nice choreography, nice for dancer, you know, dancer. Yeah, choreography. yeah. You know, it the opening number for the guys was really jazzy and strong. Um, but anyways, um, so in the rehearsals for that show, I'm sitting in the in the room uh, the first couple of days of rehearsal. And all of a sudden, I, Roger comes out of the, the wing, stage left, and April, who's from Australia, walking in on stage. I was like, what? <laughs> what are you doing here? He goes, we're joining the show. We were like, oh my God. 
And they, didn't, oh. they knew that they were friends, but they didn't tell me. So I was like shocked. And so, as I said before, yes, we'd separated, but we got back together again. <laughs> Not that we were lovers or anything, but. Just- yeah, but that's like when you have to go part your part ways and it'd been more fun to go as friends. That's, yeah. is it April Colombo? Is that not April yes, or different? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to get her. I've heard she's super funny oh, and yeah. I've heard funny stories about her. And so I'm like, we're going to get her on here eventually because oh, she, she's, she's famous for her humor, I guess. Oh, oh, she's a hoot. Yeah. We just uh, <clears throat> met up in Italy in 2019. Really? Was that no. pre, pre-reunion? Uh, 2017 it was. 2017 no no 2017 okay in Italy because um Andrea Grant yeah I worked with Andrea in Hello with hello okay, yeah. so her son Julian was an art student and he got uh, to study abroad in Florence and for I don't know it was a semester abroad I guess so they decided to go to Florence and be with him and live in Italy um, and they had an apartment, and then we said, "Oh well." He said, "Well, why don't you come over and you know let's have some fun?" You know? So Roger and I, um, we first went to the Amalfi Coast. Oh, and we spent five days there, and then we drove. I drove. <laughs> I drove up to uh, Florence, where we weren't staying in Florence. We were staying in a town outside of Florence, in Prado in Prado, Florence, which is where most of just a lot of Julian's classes were happening at the University of Prado. And at that, they, Andrew rented a big house, a big villa. It had, I don't know how many bedrooms, one, two, three, maybe four bedrooms. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. So we'd, you know, do day trips either in Prado or going to Florence to the museums. And, and uh, yeah, so, and is Andrea and April, myself, Roger, of course, Jim, Andrew's husband and Julian. And Julian, he's a, such a sweet guy. Um, so we had a hoot. It was such so much fun. <laughs> That's one of the wonderful things of this life is you have friends all over the world. Like it's hard because people separate and go back home. But then when you travel, you've got like a Bluebell or a Kelly Boy somewhere close by. If you, now with the internet, we can find each other. Like, who do I want to go visit? Like, it's just amazing that they were all over the world. So yeah, it yeah. does make travel more fun if you can get around to do it. So I said, I've got friends all over the world, but I don't have many friends here where I live now. <laughs> Are you back in Wisconsin? Oh, no. I live in Provincetown, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, at the far, far ends of the land, Provincetown. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm only seeing a little bit of Cape Cod. So how did you end up at the, in Paris? I know you said that before we recorded Miss Bluebell, did she come right. scout you out or just like sometimes she's like, Hey, where do you want to go? Which I love that about Miss Bluebell. She, if she wants to keep you and you want to stay, they will find you places. If you want to stay a long time or, or you like to move around a lot. No, I was, I was, you know, getting antsy. I felt I needed to move on. I'd, you know, done it, built up, was on my resume. Not move, you know, carry on to the next place. So I asked her, when she came down to visit in to Barcelona and I uh, said, Blue Bell, I would like to do something else. What can you offer me? And she offered me, I think five different locations. And I was like, okay. And you know, one was, I think, well, Las Vegas, Stardust or MGM Grand, I think Reno, Hong Kong. No, I mean, Reno wasn't happening then yet. That was uh, 78 that Reno opened. Yeah, no, it wasn't happening quite. It was in the in the works. Okay. And then she said, or the Lido in Paris. And I'm like, ooh, 
so what's that Toledo in Paris that you have? She said, well, you could be the principal dancer and dance captain. I was like, I don't know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a jump. Said, I, I'd like to come up to see the show and, and feel, feel it out. And so I did on my day off, took a train up and train back. And uh, I knew people on that show from um, La Scala. And I don't think any Disney people, but I think mainly Mark and Glenn were at the La Scala in Barcelona before they went to Paris. Allison was in La Scala in Barcelona. Um, can't think of anyone else offhand. But yeah, so I knew people in the show. And I went, okay, I'll take it. Um, and I did it for a year and a half. I was two years in Barcelona for the two different shows and then a year and a half at the Lido. And that was Ale Lido that you went into? Yeah, Ale Lido. Yeah, then you came in as a replacement? Yeah. It was not the creation of it? How was that stepping into two bigger positions? Like you're the, the new kid, kind of. It was difficult. But you get, yeah, you get bumped up above everybody. That makes some uh, interesting challenges. It was. It was. Um, but, you know, I became you know, friends with, you know, a couple of dancers and, you know, Mark and Glenn helped that they knew me and they, we you know, got along, we liked each other and all that. And uh, Ivy Jones um, was very supportive. He helped me through it. So it was hard, but I did it. And uh, it was hard work, um, you know, at being a principal and dance captain. If you're just a principal, you're doing two shows a day, every day, seven days a week. You don't have a, like a day off or then we would get a vacation every, I forget it was, every six months. We'd get a week off or two weeks off. Um, and then I was teaching the show too, which I had to learn by myself. First of all, I had to learn the show that as I was teaching, my, I was learning my part. Then I had to learn the boys, the chorus boys. Oh my yeah. gosh. And wow. um, so it was a lot of, you know, a lot of going on into my head, <laughs> you know, but I was young. And I like I love the challenge, and uh, you know dancing at in Paris at the Lido, the, the, the room. And that was the new the new Lido, the, yeah. the, the Normandy Lido, and that room was just beautiful. Um, and all the you know, mechanics, the, the stage, you know, the floor along the stage collapsing down, you know, and the, the waterfall and all that stuff was so fun. It's going, I don't kind of, know if they'll ever have that again. Like Don Arden was known for that of just like the elevators and water falls and rain. And I don't think I've ever seen anyone try to take that because there's a lot of money yeah. in there. And also the mechanics, it's a lot. I mean, the dancers are almost like, let's first go to make sure these things work. So we have a stage for the dancers. Well, Cirque, Cirque du Soleil had some of that. If I remember from the first show they did. I saw, oh, just last week, I was in Vegas a week ago. Oh, and, wow. and I'm I'm watching the mechanics, like in the magic of the show, like don't look at the, don't try to figure out what's happening in the floor and the elevators. Don't right. just let it be magic. Let it be that. Right, right. Well, so, so yeah. what, as a principal, what was, what kind of numbers were you doing? It wasn't. Okay, a principal guy, as I'm trying to think of. Yeah. Um, it wasn't really difficult dancing, to be honest. The, the, the chorus boys, the, at harder dance numbers, I think, um, to be honest, thinking yeah. back. Um, and my part wasn't that standout-ish, you know? The other two principals had bigger, better parts. Um, not better parts, but, you know, more standout principal, where you're, you know, dancing a solo or, or a pas de deux, or, you know, just a couple of the principal girls. Yeah. I had one number, a Japanese number, where I drive the boat, 
<laughs> with a Diane McDonald on the top one, oh, you know, pantomiming, <laughs> Geisha girl. And then I drive the boat backstage and I take off, get, you know, take off some cape. I think I was wearing a cape, but I take off the cape and then I do this Adagio number with um, the butterfly that came out. <laughs> and I had these, oh God. And, and the, you know, you're wearing costumes that are, well, this is, I was wearing a G string, you know, this is a G string number. And I'll, <laughs> I think I was there maybe six months and Don Arden came to see the show and <laughs> Bluebell comes back this backstage and immediately said, Jim, you have to start wearing body makeup. Don says you look like a ghost dancing out there. <laughs> <laughs> so just for that one number, I did I'd do full body makeup. Just for, and all the rest, I was not in a G string. It was just so that your butt matched your skin. Or if my you're in a G body. string, your my, whole my, body, my, was the whole body was white. I'm red hair. I'm fair skin. So I'm oh, white. No, I'm yeah. fish belly white over here. <laughs> fish belly white. Oh. <laughs> oh, and, and I agreed with him. I, you know, I, I agreed with him. I was, yeah, I'm white. You know, that's all I have. So I did. Yeah. Oh, that's always fun after the show. I'm going to wipe, wash that up. I never did it in the show. I know some girls did it by choice. We weren't required to, but I know tanning, you had to be super careful of tan lines. Yeah. But I did South Pacific here in Seattle at the theater and, and have them do the body makeup. And just, it's such a mess at night in the shower. And like, you, if you want to go out afterwards, it just feels gross to be covered in, in body makeup. Oh, we would take a shower. We, you know, all the, we had at the Lido, um, the principal boys, and a couple of singers were on the same level as the principal girls. And the girls had one shower in their dressing room. They had their four girls. They had one shower. And then in the shower in the hallway, which everyone shared, there were like three shower heads and two toilets. Actually, I took a picture. I went backstage at the reunion. I stuck backstage. I took a picture of the, of the bathroom. <laughs> oh, did <you> really? <laughs> fond memories like where do we spend our most time <laughs> you know so after the show we would we would all get in the shower and watch you know wash each other's back down so we'd shower after the uh, show yeah I that. when i did the uh, reunion there was an option to do a dance class on the lido stage yeah. and they only had 20 spots and as soon as it went up i i signed up and i just i'm still recovering from hip surgery and i didn't know if i can even do it but i go i can't miss this opportunity but what was fun is they took us backstage to put our, our bags down. So you see the costumes hanging and it's more of that memory of the, even though I didn't do the, the Lido stage, it's that backstage feeling of where your bags go, where your mirrors are, the, the lights, that part. It, I mean, I loved being on the stage for the class. They made it so special for us. They brought the staircase out so that we could experience going down the stairs again. But it was oh, just really? yeah. be, seeing the backstage, even though I didn't work there. And hello, Hollywood, hello, the, you know, to go back and see where you entered, it's just like, it's in your body. I think almost more than the stage for me was the backstage, yeah. the, the wings, yeah. all that stuff that you just like, where your good conversations happen and antics that yeah, happen in the fun, show. You know, yeah, we had fun. Yeah, I, yeah. I snuck backstage by myself. So I was like, I just have to see my dressing room. And I, I didn't because the door was locked. Um, but I, I went backstage by myself and I was like, I went back to the party. And I said, like, I think it was Niels <laughs> did first. No, Roger, I think. I was, Roger, let's go backstage. <laughs> so we <laughs> stuck around behind the curtain. We're like, we like, got back there real fast. We walked around. Um, and he had never done the, the, he only did the Lido in the old Lido. Oh. Not the big Lido, not the Normandy Lido. He first did the show at the, the old Lido. 
so he had never been to that theater. Well, yeah, I walked him around, and then he, I, we went, I took him back. I said, and then Niels Erickson was, <laughs> who was in the show with me at Ali Lido. I said, Niels, <laughs> and I think I, and I was Niels and I, I went back again, and we were going and looking around. And went up to Bluebell's uh, room. She had her own. Mm -hmm. We were up there, and I said, "Oh yeah, Keith and Clive were there, and some, and we're, their acrobats were there." And, and all of a sudden, Jane walks in. Jane, Bansby, <laughs> and she goes, "Oh hi, boys." I said, oh, "I'm sorry. I know we should most to be here, but I just had to come back." She goes, "That's okay. That's okay. I understand." You know, and uh, she's nice about it. Oh, because I spent so was... many time, you know, being a principal. It was an agreement that with. And a dance captain agreement with other dance captains at Toledo, Sylvia Stevenson, and Michael Ingleton was the first, and then he left. And Pierre took over Michael's space in the show. Um, but we would take turns meeting with Miss Bluebell in between shows. Um, plus, you know, there's nothing else to do. But you know, we found we had to, you know, like kind of keep her busy so she didn't get occupied with the other people, all the other girls or the boys and the stuff going on. We keep her in her room type thing. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so we take turns, you know, we go, okay, it's my night. <laughs> okay, it's your night, you know. Oh, so I got to know Lula really well. And at the beginning, I think the first time I met her when she came down to Barcelona, I said, oh, uh, we might be related because my mother's mother's maiden name was Kelly. I'm a McNamara Kelly guy, and my, my last name is Hess, German for my father. But she's, oh, you're Kelly, you're Irish. But I said, yeah, I'm my mother's 100% Irish, and my father's three quarters. She goes, oh, so she loved me. <laughs> yeah. Like, in fact, she, um, I don't know if you knew this, but she would tell some, some of the dancers to have some, some things fixed, you know, like their, maybe yeah. their eyes, their nose, right? And she said, you know, Tim, you might do better in your professional life if you had your nose fixed. I was like, no, can't do that. Mom won't let me. She'd hate, she won't want me to do that. She goes, okay, since your mother says so. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I love to hear the stories of, of Miss Bluebell, from like Karina, who I just interviewed the other day, because she went on tours with her and got to know her, like going out to dinner, because she I only met her twice and in America it was different than in Paris when she had a her office there she would just pop in or you see her auditions and I think some people in America got to know her but I feel like the ones that got to work in Paris have a very different view of her as just a normal human oh yeah yeah and that's you know being you know dance captain we got to know her interact with her a lot um when I was there I don't know if you've heard this, but the BBC came to do This Is Your Life. I, is that the special? I saw a, a movie, a mini movie about her life. Is that different? That's Yeah, that's different. That's one more. Okay, about. that was actually uh, scripted. Yeah. yeah. No, this is, um, for some reason, BBC wanted to interview Miss Bluebell and how this TV show happened. This is your life. And be, this is your life, Miss Bluebell. This is your life, Eliza Minnelli. This is your life, Tim, you know, whatever. Yeah, I and, um her assistant, I can't think of her name, Natalie, that time, don't say Natalie, um, came, called us into a meeting, with, not with Miss Bluewell, but the assistant, myself, Pierre, uh, Pierre, 
that was Michael. I think it was Michael and uh, Sylvia. And um, said, okay, BBC wants to do a TV show or, or an interview with Miss Bluewell. I'd never heard of the show and, and they needed to be a surprise. So um, what we're going to do is um, we're going to call a, you guys call a rehearsal. Say, tell Miss Bluewell you want to have a general rehearsal with everyone on stage. There's some things you want to fix and all that. And then at that time during the rehearsal, Miss Bluewell will be there. And at that time, BBC will be will be coming in live with a camera, with light to, you know, say, Miss Bluebell, this is your life and, and surprise her totally. And um, that, that happened, we pulled it off. None <laughs> of the dancers, yeah, none of the dancers could know. Nobody, only us knew that was gonna happen. So they uh, all thought they were in for a regular rehearsal. Yeah, they thought, yeah, yeah. We were rehearsing, they were, you know. Right, yeah. We were waiting for the cameras to come down the aisle. And uh, then at that time, we were told that, okay, now go backstage, get in a costume, and there'll be a limousine parked out front for you guys. So, you know, they whisk Bluebell off into one a car. Then they we come out of the front of the Lido in full costume, and they whisk us off to the TV station for this TV show. Oh my gosh. We were, we were on in the, I forgot about all this. <laughs> so the three of us were uh, um, uh, in the uh, in this in this TV show, and they found, which is really interesting, they found a woman who made Miss um, Bluebell a cup of tea in a tin can in the camps. Really? Yeah. yeah. They, I don't know how they found this person, but they found her. But you know, Miss Bluebell is famous. When I first came here, where I'm living now. Provincetown, I became friends with this um, English woman. Um, and I think the second day we were talking and she was, I said, yeah, I worked in Paris and for Miss Bluebell. She was, oh, Miss Bluebell, you worked for Miss Bluebell? And she knew her and she's not a dancer. She was like in the hotel industry. And she's, so she was, Miss Bluebell is a big name in Europe, in, in, in the UK. Yeah, I've learned that recently. Like yeah. America, you, you know, yeah, people just even the name Bluebell, they think it sounds like like a, a little tiny dance studio. Miss Bluebell would, you know, like Miss Shirley or Miss So and So. That Miss Bluebell, right. it's like you have right. to like, no, no, she's a Europe. I get it. Um. So as we, I love that. That whole. I'm gonna see if I can find that online. I wonder if it is. This is your life, Miss Bluebell. I wonder if if anyone's even thought to look for that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure. I don't know. So as we're coming to an end, I went, how was the reunion for you? Have you done any other, had you done any of the reunions before the one in 2019? Or staying me. in touch with people? Oh yeah, I went to the La Scala reunion in Barcelona, uh, 2010 was it? I think, yeah, I did that. Um, <clears throat> how was it? It was fantastic, I had a great time. Um, Roger, Ivy, Jones and I got well, we were told it was a three-bedroom apartment. And actually, we had three bedrooms, but we had two separate apartments. Oh. <laughs> but anyways, we traveled, we you know, met up, all three of us met up at this apartment in Paris. And then, yeah, I loved the first day I was there, I went to the Louvre because I had never gone to the Louvre after a year and a half in Paris. I was oh. working all the time. Yeah, you never get to see the place you live. <laughs> I said, I have to go to the Louvre, you know? So I went there myself and yeah i went to the street where i where my apartment was and rue de perignon trying to do trying to be really perignon i went there 
was at the end of August. So it was still, you know, August vacation for a lot of the shops. Yeah, a lot of things were closed. The Ponderia was closed and I used to go to, um, there was a pastry store that, there. it was a pastry store when I lived there, but it, it, now it's like this really high class, gorgeous, like almost Asian pastries with French twist to it. It's beautiful. She wow. room and gorgeous. But I took pictures of the building and my I had my first car in Paris. I oh, what a way to start. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I, because I was, I, you know, I was like, like maybe a couple months in, I was taking a taxi back to home or, you know, at night. It was like, oh, this is so tedious. I always take a taxi. And by the time I got out of work, there was no subway, no metro. So you had to take a taxi. Yeah. And a couple that were in the show were leaving and they were selling their car. I went, how much? And I was like, I think $400 for this four-door Simca and, you know, used vehicle. I bought it and it was crazy when I picked it up. They lived like a Montmartre. I lived on the other side in the uh, 15th Aerodismo. So I had to go through, um, not, uh, Arc de Triomphe. Yeah, the Arc de Triomphe. Yeah. So that, 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 it's not a rotary, it's a madhouse. You know, so <laughs> I'm driving in Paris, I had to go from Montmartre through the Arc de Triomphe to get to my apartment. Yeah, I made it. <laughs> but yeah, it's fun <laughs> having a car in Paris because then you know, we go out after the show to dinners and restaurants. But there are restaurants open. There are a couple of restaurants open after at 3.30 in the morning in Paris. Who knew, you know, until, yeah. <laughs> until you're hungry after work, you know? You yeah. want some food. So there's this one uh, Fauchette d'Or restaurant that was a big hangout for all people in the shows would go and be packed. And like, oh, so, you know, like all different from the Moulin Rouge, from the Lido and um, other shows. It's fun. But yeah, so I had a car. That's fun. So when you, when you went back, you, you, it's, I love that you wanted to see where you lived. Because when I went back to Reno, I couldn't even remember because everything had changed so much. It's like, And then I was in Vegas last week. I'm like, I used to live down this road. But I almost didn't want to see it because it's a pretty awful place I lived. So I go, do I want to see where I lived that every day was a risk of my life? But it was fun to see like the, the flamingo is still there in Vegas. But everything else that I remember, like the Stardust, the Dunes is all gone. But that flamingo, like I know I lived in Flamingo Road. So at least I have one marker that I can figure out my orientation in Vegas. But had you been back to Paris any time between leaving there and the reunion? Or was this your first time back? No, I was back um, before I left. I moved back to the States from Madrid. Um, I went, it was then, it was around that time. It was like in the mid eighties that I went back to Paris just because, okay, I'm moving back to the United States. Maybe I should go to Paris, you know, just to see it. I'm so close. Yeah. And I, did, I think another time before that, because my partner at that time, Martin, um, he had knee surgery and, uh, it wasn't healing well, so he said, let's go to the American Hospital in Paris. So he went there to get see a doctor there and went there. That so twice, I guess, I was back there. Mm. So, and then the reunion. Reunion, yeah. And a lot of people use the word magical for the reunion because I, as soon as I saw it was available, and I knew, I thought it was just going to be the Lido dancers. I didn't realize it was including all Bluebells. And as soon as I got the go-ahead, I was signing up, not even sure I was going to pay for it. I was going to do any of it. I just knew I needed to go. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't have the same attachment to Paris because I had never worked at the Lido. So I loved watching the Lido dancers all find each other. And I heard there was like reunions within the reunions and picnics and people finding each other from the shows that they were in. So I just was 
kind of just watching more of that because I only had a few, few people that I knew from right. Hello Hollywood, Hello, but it really <clears throat> was magical of watching the show together, like watching the Lido show with all of us on one side of the curtain. And it was just, there were so many things that were so spectacular about that, but I'm just, yeah, yeah Lindsay, a lot of it brought our memories. She did an amazing job. You know, amazing job. And, uh, you know, I was leery about going and then I decided to go. And then when I, after, after the Lido, after the reunion, I was like, I think I, I messaged Raven. So when's the next reunion? It was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic job. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she was saying like a lot of people were like, we, we have to do this again. And a lot of us said we need longer because there was so much in there, but it, it wasn't enough. Like we need like two weeks and we need to do it in a resort so that we can all just like chill. Yeah. Because I mean, just to even see the people that you knew for some of you that worked there, it was hard. But then, yeah, there was just so many great things about it, but we needed probably a couple more weeks. Um, so maybe as we're all getting old and retired, we can, we can have a really long reunion. Well, I said when I heard that they, the Lido was sold. Yeah. Well, if they're having a reunion, you know, last show for the for the Lido show, I'm going, you know. Yeah. If they're gonna have a reunion or something, that'd be a great time to go, you know. Yeah. Because I know like the when the um MGM or Bally's when they closed Jubilee, it was just full of dancers that had worked there. I went a couple of days before the final one, but it was just no, I, I saw it before it changed over, which a lot of people weren't happy about that. But it was just to have that audience there. And then when Hello Hollywood closed, the people from the past came to be in the audience. Because I know they're finding out more in this next couple of weeks of the lead of what's happening. Because they, they're doing the show, but they don't know what's happening with the sale and if they have a job. I'm going in April to see the shows and bringing a dancer from here to hopefully audition. But I, I, like, I'm hoping it's still there because my... If I see all the shows, but I don't get to see the Lido, I'm going to be very sad because I loved it when I was there for the reunion. And now I've interviewed so many people from the cast that I'm just like, please, please, please hang in there long enough for me to see it one more time and to celebrate with this cast that after, you know, a year and a half off of COVID, they got back out and they got to have a full house opening. And it's just, yeah. yeah. Did you go to the Moulin Rouge the next night? Yeah. Were you part of that group too? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It was so I, much fun. I, I love that show. I think I, I enjoyed that show more than the, the Lido show. Oh, did you? I know there was very different opinions on that. Yeah. Because some people like that the Mulan feels more like the shows back in the day that we all performed with yeah. more feathers, more showgirl-ish. And then the Lido is more contemporary, which I like that one more, but I we were all being careful not to offend the other ones of what's yeah, which one they like. I liked them both, but I love that they're both there. They're both showing that like where cabaret can move to, but not throwing away all the good stuff of, that started it all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so now I'm living on Cape Cod, as I said, and I'm, I'm still working. I'm the event coordinator for Provincetown Town Hall. Really? So I'm, I'm still in the business, yeah, from, I, you know, I kept in the business, really. Um, when I retired from dance, and went back to Milwaukee, got my degree in business administration. Okay. That, got hired to work at the Milwaukee Ballet as the school administrator. And I did that in the Milwaukee Ballet School was, um, they had three locations at that time, about 450 students. And I worked for 13 and a half years there. And at the end, there were 1,100 students in five locations. And then from there, I went to upstate New York. I moved to upstate New York and I got a job to work at Katzbahn International Dance Center. Hmm. Okay, I'll look that up. 
Yeah, it's definitely. like, have you heard of Jacob's Pillow? Yes. It's yeah. They call it the new, well, not anymore, but at that time it was the new Jacob's Pillow back in 2002, 2000. Okay. It started in 1999. And that was a facility that uh, brought in professional companies, um, mainly modern dance companies because they're affordable. But it's you know, the, the, the facility is fantastic. And um, they had started the educational component was in the summer, like an intensive dance program. They're just doing three weeks. And I said, oh, why are you doing only three weeks? I used to, I could do six. They go, can you do six weeks? Oh, yeah. How about if we do two, three week sessions? I went, sure, why not? So we did that and they saw the dollar signs. And then <laughs> two years <laughs> later, that they said, do you think we could do nine weeks? So I was like, whoa, <laughs> now you're pushing it. Yeah. But I did it. We did three, yeah, three week sessions, yeah. So I was doing, I was the program manager for that. And then I left there and a lot of my life changed and I ended up coming here, been coming here since 2000 actually. And I ended up coming here, so I lost my job at the Cotsman and um, came here for a little vacation. So living in Poughkeepsie, New York. And uh, so I dropped my resume off and, and I got hired to work on reservations for two of the top hotels here. I'd never done it before. <laughs> but I lived in a lot of hotels. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, and then I was there doing that to, for five seasons. And then that fifth season, I got hired to be the event, as a new position, an event coordinator for Provincetown Town Hall. And I managed this beautiful 700 seat old auditorium. It's like 140 years old. And um, I manage, I coordinate craft fairs to Broadway stars to come in. Not that I, I do, I don't do any programming. Yeah. We'll come and rent the space. That's why I coordinate. Yeah, like last year we had Kristen Chenoweth. Oh my gosh. I love how many people that leave performing, but they still stay connected to the arts or yeah. people that are teaching Pilates or something is either with the body or performing or the arts. It's just, I mean, some people just leave it and go do something totally different for whatever reasons. But I feel like a lot of us just want to, then you got your degree. So you made your dad happy. Yep. Let's have a dance career and finish college and go into administration. And when I was doing reservations, this is a funny story. I was doing reservations when I first came here, my third year. And I saw this name, well, Carrie Innes. I said, I know, that rings a bell. I worked with the Carrie Innes in Paris. No, it can't be now. I just dismissed it. And at Toledo, she was there. And she was, and I told her I was in Provincetown. Oh, I, I was in Provincetown. I was like, you were there. I saw your name on the reservation list. I, I didn't think it was you. So I was like, oh my God, you know, small world. And I regret not, you know, calling her. And he's like, oh, hey, this is Tim S. Is this Carrie Gannis from, you know, Belito? But yeah, it's fun. Small and big world. So I have a question I ask some people, like what carried over from your days as a Kelly boy into what you do now? Because, you know, there's a different work ethic and there's things that like, would be different than just having a college degree? Oh boy, a lot, I think, a lot, especially becoming the dance captain. Um, I really, you know, that's going into a management position and I had to learn how to manage you know, different personalities as we all know right. backstage, there are a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not always um, easy. Make and be organized, you know, because you had to, you know, if there's someone sick or on their day off, had to make sure that the, that hole was filled in the show. Um, uh, appreciation for 
feathers and rhinestones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And really meeting so many great people, working with so many great people. As you said before, I still keep in contact with, you know, a bunch of them, you know, um, on all different countries. Yeah. That yeah. expands your um, uh, cultural awareness and so much different ways of being by being in a, in a multicultural national backstage, like the conversations I learned so much in the dressing room that surpassed everything I learned in history books or cultural or sociology classes. It was just like, it's such a Petri dish in a great way of um, how we're, how we can learn from each other. Yeah. And you know, there are a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people cannot comprehend the lives that we had that we experienced, mm -hmm. you know, dancing and shows, working as a dancer, traveling, performing. It's just, I don't tell people. I just, you know, unless they really ask, I go, okay, let's have a cup of coffee, let's have a cocktail, whatever. Cause you know, my, I, my life has been filled, you know, with experiences. Um, even where I work now, they don't know what I've done. You know, I thought I got the job because at that time, the town manager uh, five years ago, worked as a stagehand. Oh, so yeah, a lot of day, experience. I didn't have, um, the, the town manager was a stagehand. So in my little, my resume, a little paragraph, worked for so many years as a professional dancer. Blah, 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 blah. So he saw that, he said, oh, he knows theater, he knows lights, he knows that. And that's how I got the job, just because I had that one little paragraph, not that I was a you know, program manager for International Dance Center, made a dance, you know, click the bell, Milwaukee Ballet School, yeah, oh, dance performance, you know, all that clicked. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the educational component is just tremendous that I've had. You know, I have a business, you know, business administration degree, but I've got a lot, a major in life. Right, there's <laughs> that life experience. Doctorate and you know, I'm fluent in Spanish. You know, yeah. Knowledgeable in French and Italian. And I've been to many, many, I told so many, many churches um, in around the world. Yeah, so, yeah, culturally. Because we say once a bluebell, always a bluebell. And I don't know for Kelly boys, if you have your own, once a Kelly boy, or just that bluebell just is the big umbrella for all of us, that we are all Miss Bluebell's children and cousins and brothers and sisters, as your show is called. Yeah, I think it's more of an umbrella. Yeah, um, it's everybody's in there. So once a Kelly boy, always a Kelly boy. I think that started being just a bluebell for all bluebells. Yeah. And dancers. Yeah, because I was a tall nude. I wasn't a bluebell. So when I thought it was for bluebells, like, oh, I was a tall. Like, no, that's everybody. That's everybody that yeah. worked for Miss Bluebell. Yeah. Even after she was gone, we're still bluebells. So I love that. That's the all-encompassing. Once once a bluebell, always a bluebell. Oh, I just recognize we have are those headpieces behind you. Yeah, because <laughs> and I don't normally use them for decorations. I have I'm putting together a Parisian cabaret in a month. And I bought costumes or headpieces, but they're really dingy. So I'm learning researching i've talked to someone at jubilee who takes care of the feathers was nice enough to contact me of what i could possibly do to get them whiter or dye them so i am not crafty i am not good at that so <laughs> i'm not sure if i'm going to ruin these things but i'm doing one feather at a time trying to wash them wool light all these different things or dye them but i also have two cats so this uh this is where they stand now but they'll be on the floor in the next sometime by the end of the night <laughs> you know because it kind of blends into the paintings on the, on the wall the feathers and yeah. the, the <laughs> yeah. 
Those are like, really feathers. <laughs> it's like, wow, she's really into the showgirl life. They're not normally there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe steaming them. Somebody suggested a steam iron could get the dirt out and then you could shape them. So I did wash them and blue dry them. I learned blow drying and I and I tried woolite. These are okay. There's another big one I have behind it. It's just a kind of a cream, but not, it's, it's yellowish. Mm. And so they may, it, it was, they were mass, they're probably really expensive feathers. So instead of throwing them away, if I dye them, I might be able to save it. But the headpiece itself is pretty, but yeah, <laughs> I'm like adding more feathers to my life as I get older. I don't know if that means senility or just a reconnection to my, my former showgirl life. Well, you're in Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't the Seattle rep? Yeah. There's a Seattle rep is really great. The fifth Avenue, the parent, we've got some really good theater in Seattle, really good music scene and the Pacific Northwest ballet is here. Yeah, of course. There you go. You should contact the wardrobe department. Oh yeah. Well, I did go to the top of the top, which was Jubilee in the costume department of the guy who preserves the feathers was nice enough to call me back and gave me a few options. So he's, yeah, he says sometimes that that's why, and Pete Menifee who did our costumes just said, that's why we don't do white is because white it gets yellow with age so i'm like all right i'm determined to make it work hmm. but tim thank you for doing this this was really fun i just You're think welcome. our bluebell umbrella is getting bigger and bigger and i find out more of these wonderful people that that shared a life at different times different countries didn't matter we all got to have that that great opportunity mm-hmm. yeah i really enjoyed it probably have not nightmares, but dreams about my life in Paris and Barcelona and all over, you know. Yeah. When people start talking about the dreams start to happen again, people are dreaming they're backstage and they can't get their costume on or they don't know the choreography. So be prepared for that because that's one of the side effects of doing the interview. <laughs> You're going to have some before, weird yeah, dreams. I before I go and wake up going, what the hell? <laughs> Where was <Right>. I? <laughs> I don't know this dance. Know. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. thank you and take care of yourself. And uh, if there's another reunion, I'll be looking for you. And you had hip replacement? Boot two. I've I'm doing three. great now. I've had three. Really? So you had to redo one or? Yeah, I'm the first one that was re- revised. Oh, wow. So. Yeah. Welcome to the club. There's a lot of us. I think maybe uh-huh. doing the splits and can cans and all that stuff and partnering kind of tore us up a bit. Yeah. It was, it was worth it. Yeah. There's a Facebook page, of course, for hip replacement people. <laughs> Not for dancers. <laughs> so general, yeah, just for anyone. Yeah. Oh, really? For, you know, hip replacements. I, I this... started, you know, this, maybe should turn off the recording now. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to say goodbye in all three languages that you speak? Uh, adios. Bye. Adios. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did take three years of Spanish, which didn't help me in Paris one bit. Yeah. Okay, so goodbye, Tim. It was wonderful to meet with you. I'm going to stop the recording and we can talk okay. about her replacements. Thank you. Nice meeting you. Mm-hmm.